Welcome to Hour of Champions. I'm Steve Warner, former bond trader turned entrepreneur. In each episode, it is our goal to help people reclaim their courage by connecting them to their physical, mental, and spiritual greatness. Join us as we help reshape our stories and become the heroes of our own personal journey. Welcome to the Hour of Champions podcast. I'm Steve Warner, founder and creator, and I am so excited today to have Larissa May uh, live from New York on with us. Um, she's got an amazing, amazing story, and I just wel- welcome, number one. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, so I, I'm so happy to have finally connected um, on this platform, and we met through this crazy serendipitous way and I think in my own spiritual sense I wake up every day and I ask the universe for um, miracles I thank the universe for miracles that are in my life for miracles that are on their way and just connect me with wonderful um, inspiring life-changing people and bingo it worked so um, I thank the universe in that regard I really do I mean it's I, I never knew how to do this before, and now I do it every single day, and it works. And I hope that anybody that's listening to this, um, you know, doesn't think that like I'm like way out there because it just does. And it was something that I deflected or resisted for a long time. So the law of attraction. The law of attraction. That's what they call it in its simplest form. Yep. So I'm so excited for you to share your story with us today. Um, um, like. From the, from the, certainly from the, the victim side, like I ever, always say, and then to the hero side, because what you're doing currently and people will hear the story and be blown away is, is so heroic and so needed um, in the world today. So I'm going to ask you to take it away and tell us a little bit, tell us your story. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess, yes, we'll start with the victim side first, but I think like anything, um, through all any darkness you experience, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, it's what you do with your experiences in life, not necessarily what they do to you. So I'm lucky to have found myself on the other side and, and hope to continue to empower and change others in the same way that you do on a daily basis. Uh, but I guess I'll take you back to really the early beginnings for me. And, you know, mental health, mental illness have sort of always been a part of my life. I just didn't really know that it was until it hit me in the face in a, in a really big way. And so I'll take you to back to when I was a sophomore year, a sophomore at Vanderbilt. And I was an entrepreneur. I had started a fashion blog. I was wanted to work in the in the fashion industry and was had a lot going on when it came to my career. I had a great social life and everything looked great on social media. Um, however, what was going on behind the screens was radically different. I had just come back from Fashion Week and was covering for a bunch of publications and virtually was uh, on on the break of a really having a mental health breakdown. And I was more depressed than I'd ever been in my entire life. And it was something that wasn't just a sadness. It was something that, you know, kept me in my bed for two weeks and ultimately pulled me away from all the people that were my friends on social media and brought me into one of the most isolating periods of my life. 
But how could someone who, you know, presents this life of living like Lars on social media feel this way? And what I realized it was that during that that time, um, you know, I was more isolated than ever. And you know, on one side of the screen, people thought that I was living my my best life, uh, but the reality was that I was isolated and I was in my darkest place, and and wondering if tomorrow was an option for me. And so, you know, during that time, I was really isolated and it was almost, it was really fascinating because I'm someone that usually creates conversations instead of, I've been more of a talker than a listener, which has changed, I think, as a result of my mental health journey and my new found love for, um, you know, hearing people's stories. But during that time, I did a lot of listening and I did a lot of watching because I didn't have the energy to connect with other people. And I started watching how people engaged with each other and how when technology became a part of that conversation, them having their phones at lunch, them having their phones at chapter, um, or even just, you know, my own family having their phones around, how quite literally the way that people connected, their body language, everything was affected. And I just started listening and, and hearing people ask about, you know, what do you think about this photo or this caption? Do I look skinny enough in this? And, you know, started realizing that, you know, social media had a profound effect on the way that we not only saw ourselves, but it also affected the way that we connected with others. And during this time, I really started to evaluate my own social media use um, and, and what I wanted to do with that. I used to be obsessed with getting brand partnerships and likes and followers. I remember like being on the elliptical at college trying to you know get more likes and followers so that I could get more brand partnerships. And it was quite literally like this, like you know, being on a treadmill while on the social media treadmill, such an interesting visual. Um, but you know, during that time after hitting you know that dark, that really difficult spot and luckily getting the support I needed to get through it. When I got on the other side, I realized that I had a responsibility and the responsibility was, you know, the way that I could turn this journey as a victim into a hero by hopefully uh, sharing my story and changing the way I use the platform so that other people could feel more connected to themselves and their mental health, um, but also build a healthier relationship with the platform because it had such an amazing ability to connect people and tell stories, uh, but I was just kind of sitting on the wrong side of it. Whoa, <laughs> that is, I, I mean, like I'm frozen at like, like waiting for the next scene. You know, <laughs> it was like, honestly, they say like, you know, I know this from writing a book that, that you have to capture them with the opening scene. You, you got me with the opening scene. I could visualize, you know, the you in action actually, and then on the treadmill. And I also know what it's like, even in my own, in, in Yiddish, which is a Jewish derivative, they call it mishigash. It's cra it means craziness. And my own craziness, I find myself still when I'm working out in the morning at 4.30 in the morning, I'm trying to get likes or um, more people onto my platform. You know, like I, I, I never stop going. And you use the, the phrase several times, and I am a listener, um, the other side. Um, and I know what it's like. I, I, I use that also in a, uh, one of the earlier YouTube videos um, that I ever did about getting to the other side, but, you know, and, and the freedom that that created in my life. So tell us about the other side about. Um, yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for listening. Um, you know, I think it's 
you know, through other people's stories that, you know, it helps us see ourselves and also understand other people's journeys. And for me, that was when I fell in love with storytelling was when I stopped and actually listened when I was, uh, you know, isolated and depressed. And so the other side of this story was me uh, sitting in my dorm room and basically thinking about, you know, this experience that I had been through and trying to put together on paper, what is this idea? What is this thing that social media creates in our lives? Um, What is this idea that you feel like you have to be this person or that you, you know, but we're ultimately making it up. And so for me, it was, you know, the idea that social media was only half the story. And when I had that idea, really everything changed for me. I stayed up for a whole night kind of like working, mapping it out and basically just drew a logo on a piece of paper and had my friend make it. And I was like, you know what? I need to put more, I need to put my, my time into this. I, I'm going to stop being a fashion blogger and I'm going to share my story on social media uh, to empower other young people. And, you know, that eventually evolved into something bigger, which is now a nonprofit. And I'm really dedicating my whole life to this. And so I really, you know, woke up one day and decided that I was going to print these stickers and then, you know, spoke at a Vandy TEDx, which is basically, you know, a very small Vanderbilt version of TEDx, not the actual official um, one run by the TED organization. And I basically just stood in a room and told my story and posted that photo on social media and announced that I was done fashion blogging and that it was basically all sort of a a facade. And it was interesting because it was this unraveling my identity from who I wanted people to see me as to who I really was. Mm. And, um, you know, in that experience, I, and through speaking to other people and other tens and thousands of young people who decided to share their other half of the story, I think other people started realizing that the things that actually made them who they were, which was, you know, maybe the struggles they'd been through, their passions, their fears, et cetera, that they had overcome is ultimately what makes them human. And ultimately the connective tissue between us, not where we're going, who we're seen with, who we're partying with, or our successes. It's really in, you know, the human failure and, you know, vulnerability that we can connect. And so, other people started sharing their stories on my campus. And then I started getting them from other campuses and then from, you know, in different languages and would sit on Google Hangouts and FaceTime young people in different countries like Bolivia and London and Korea um, and Africa to just understand how technology, you know, could not only be used for a better form of storytelling, but I started asking questions about how technology and social media made them feel beyond the piece of identity and storytelling. And after a year, I basically moved to New York. My dad dropped me off in a U-Haul. I was, you know, working, I started a boutique social media agency and was working on a lot of different projects. And you know, it was basically like, dad, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to New York and I'm going to, you know, find my purpose and I'm going to do my thing. And, you know, I remember he dropped me off into my apartment in New York and I got, I had one bed, one dresser, and then we had a couple of milk crates in my living room that were my, my couches for the first couple of months. And those are some of the most, you know, profound memories for me because that was when I was, you know, too, sitting on these milk cartons, inviting young people in and hearing their stories. And, you know, after about a year of going around to different schools, I realized that there was a really big opportunity and that, you know, scrolling was the new smoking. And it was up to me as part of this next generation to help the next gen speak their language and come up with tools uh, to help them better develop 
relationships with technology because mental wellness and physical wellness are one and the same. You know, we teach kids how to eat healthy food. We teach them how to go outside and work their bodies, um, but we're not teaching them about how to use technology and build healthy relationships with it at a young age. Um, we're just throwing technology in front of them, either because it's an easier way to get a babysitter or just because schools are moving away from textbooks and, you know, now we're just using iPads, but, you know, they're not asking the hard questions about how it affects in a cognition, how it affects the way that, you know, young people are writing and connecting with themselves and others. And so I've kind of taken upon myself in this next journey of our organization to rewrite the rules and, and build a digital education program uh, for young kids, kind of like the dare, but of social media and mental health. It's just so powerful, so crazy powerful. I have so many questions and I want to be respectful of your time and make sure that I ask them in the, in the, in the right sequence because I'm thinking, you know, um, I've been told to be more interested, more interested than interesting. So I try to be a good listener as well. And number one, what a brilliant discovery on your part. Um, number two, this is the most important question I have. Like when you, when you woke up one day and like the light went on, did you say to yourself, oh my God, if, if I'm going through this, there must be millions of kids feeling the same way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was just, you know, everything comes down to communication and dialogue, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of scary being in college or even in the digital age, being open about this type of thing on social media. And a lot of people, when I first shared my story, they were like, oh no, why are you talking about mental health on social media? Like, what if you want to get a job? Like, what if you want to do all these things? And like, I knew sort of, you know, it was conflicting, but I knew that ultimately I was put on this earth to kind of be that person. And I was willing to take the risk. <laughs> the, the mainstream would call it conflicting. I would call it heroic. You know, <laughs> if somebody's got to do it and I might as well be that somebody. Yeah. Um, and I felt the same way. You know, I know my family was worried about me sharing my story. And, you know, I'm Steve Warner, I'm a former trader, I'm a business person, I'm connected to business people, and I'm still kind of growing. And what's going to happen if people find out that I'm not Superman, you know, or maybe what if they find out that I am Superman, you know, right. and, and I just decided to share my story. So applause for you for but we'll pick it up. But anyways, I, I said applause for, for sharing that story. And, um, thank you. Uh, you know, so I get the whole victim side and, you know, like I, what you're doing right now is, is so heroic. Can you accept the fact that what you're doing is heroic? You know, I think I can accept the fact that it's heroic. And with that, I can also ex accept what comes with trying to be a hero. Yeah. Um, I think that when you think of a hero, you think of them as someone who's sort of like this triumphant person that takes a leap. And like, you know, you think of like, I think of like a hero 
as in like the Greek ages where it's this person in this like crazy adorned outfit and they're perfect and they're doing all these things. But being a hero looks, looks much different than that. And I think that's the thing that, you know, I being, being a hero comes with great opportunities and it also comes with a great amount of responsibility. And I am willing to accept that, but you also have to be willing to accept the challenges that come with it. And that's okay too. And I don't see that as a victim side. I see that as, you know, the difference between a victim and a hero is that a hero sees it as a responsibility. Very well said. And I'm, I'm speaking specifically to kind of, to lighten the matter, right? Like you're, you became the hero of your story. You know, you don't, you, you can be the hero for everyone if they want to embrace that. But when you become the hero of your own story, you open yourself up to the world. And what I try to help people do, um, you know, is when they, when they share their victim side is to find the hero in in that same story. And the hero exists. You know, you sometimes, we just we don't know how to tap in and 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 we're afraid we're afraid to let that hero appear and i know from personal experience that happened to me but i also know that if i don't radiate and i don't let my hero shine i can't i can't make a difference so your shines really well just so you know and oh, um, thank you yeah of course but i think that is powerful and i always say you know, you are the expert of your own story and everyone can be the hero of their own story, right? And, you know, you kind of have to write the, you can write the book whatever way you want it to be, right? So. I I say that you wake up every morning and when your feet hit the floor, you audition for the role in your life. And someday you may wake up and you may win the role of the victim and it's up to you to snap out of that, you know, um, and find, quickly find the hero. Because, you know, I, I'm still guilty of it, you know. I'm, many years later, I'm still guilty of, woe is me, what's going on? And then I got to, like, I, I just call it defining reality and asking myself the question, am I really the victim? And 100% of the time, I'm not. But it's a yeah. safe place to, to land, you know. Totally, yeah. And it's not, like, what someone doing you. It's, like, what are you identifying the patterns in your life that are, you know, creating the circumstances at bay. And yeah. I think that's the, you know, the, the also part of that transition from being a victim to a hero is that, you know, you can make small changes in your life so that you don't feel that way. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Do you have a go-to person when your light gets dim? Man, I think it's, it's, um, it kind of depends. Like I, not really, no. Are you spiritual in that? uh... Yeah, I am. I've actually, you know, really been, um, I've been really trying to turn inwards and I read a lot of, I've been reading a lot of books about curiosity and mindfulness and, you know, just personal development because I think it's something that we tend to do in times when things are really hard, but it's something that we need to make a daily practice. Similarly to, you know, you're not only going to work out if you gain 15 pounds, right? Um, And I think that that's sort of the approach that I'm trying to integrate more into my life because sometimes when you're advocating for mental health, that can get in the way of your own. Uh, So it's important to really practice what you preach. And, you know, some of the things that I've been doing are, you know, substituting reading books for any time that I would go on my phone. Um, Actually, one week what I did is I basically – 
wrote down all the times I went on social media, what I was doing and why I was doing it. And what I realized is that 70% of the time, I did this a couple years ago, that I was doing this exercise. 70% of the time, I didn't have a real purpose for why I was on it. It was more to pass time. And, you know, I think that I'm not the only one alone in that. <laughs> uh, no, not at all. It's, it's, uh, it's addicting. Um, are you familiar with Dark Night of the Soul by any chance? No, tell me more. Oh, this is awesome because I, I, in my journey, have become a very spiritual human being. And my wife and I actually went away this past November to Santa Fe to a spiritual retreat for three days. Wow. And I um, uh, saw a woman by the name of Carolyn Meese. Not sure if you're familiar with Carolyn or not. M-Y-S-S. No, I'm going to look her up. And I got to have lunch with her. There was a few hundred people there. And I have a, a good buddy of mine happens to be her partner. And I was fortunate enough to get some one-on-one -on -one time with her. And she enlightened me to the um, concept of Dark Night of the Soul. And I don't... I, because you're a voracious reader, I want you to kind of discover it and explore it. But the, the cliff note version is that you go through a very dark period of your life where life becomes almost meaningless until you um, evolve and um, discover your purpose. And huh, I need to read this. I totally believe in that. Yes. Totally. And um, when I walked out of that, lunch and she explained that to me i said to myself for all my believing that i believed if that makes sense now it actually makes sense like i was talking myself into believing my journey it's all my journey right and she and and ironically enough when we went back for the afternoon segment she um it was about dark night of the soul it was already planned as part of her weekend. So wow. how did that happen, right? And I love to share this, this is really cool. And thank you for letting me. Uh, yeah, I'm ecstatic now about this. Dark yeah. of the soul, right in the yeah. So my wife and I go to Santa Fe and we're sitting through the first evening uh, lecture and Caroline draws a diagram of a high rise in Manhattan. And she says, this up here is the penthouse. This down here is the first floor. And she proceeds to say, it's very conceivable that two people could live in the same building for 20 years and have totally different views of the city. Always oh, the person on the, in the penthouse sees the Hudson and the Statue of Liberty and yeah. the whole Manhattan skyline. And the person on the first floor sees people and traffic and garbage. And she she used the metaphor that this is kind of life, right? Some people are, she said, I've spent my life trying to get to the penthouse to get the greatest panoramic view of life that I can get. And I'm like, whoa. Wow. So I take a walk that evening in Santa Fe and I said to my wife, I don't feel like you're into this conference. And she said to me, well, I'm really not. And I said, oh my God, you know? And she said, but I know that you are. And I said, but I don't feel like you gave it your best shot. And she looked at me and she said, how do you know I'm just not happy being on the third floor? And she goes, I know you spend your life trying to get to the penthouse. Wow. But I'm really content being on the third floor. And I said to her, wow, that 
in the 30 years that we've been married. That's like the most profound. I said, you were listening. She said, I was. And I'm really happy for you that you're engaged. And maybe I will be someday, but would you mind if I just explored Santa Fe for the next few days while you're in this conference? Wow. And that's what makes our marriage work. You know, that she doesn't judge my journey and I don't judge her journey. Um, but based on the, the origin the, 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 of, of your story, there's a dark night of the soul in there that yeah. I think you are going to be quite wowed by. And I think that's just another reason why we... Oh, well, I'm going to have definitely into all of that. And I think that's a really interesting perspective because I think as people who are constantly looking inwards and sort of on that spiritual journey you know, it actually, you're doing yourself a disservice on the movement in general if you, you know, do judge other people for not being there, right? And if everyone was there, then you'd want to get to the next level. So it's like, I think that's really interesting. And it's an important thing to remember um, that, you know, everyone has their own, their own path and not everyone needs to get to the 50th floor. I've always been one of those people that's trying to get to the 50th floor. Sometimes I'm like, you can just chill on like the 20th floor. Um, and I think there's also some, you know, peace in that too. So we can all learn from each other. We can. And I, I try to not be an advice giver, especially as a coach. I try to kind of, um, you know, create more inquisitiveness and curiosity and help people discover. But if I could give you any piece of advice, it would be push the 20th floor and get off for a little bit. And yeah, that's, that's my current, that's my current approach as yeah. of, that's my 2020 approach. Yeah, don't race to the penthouse, it'll be there. And you've got a lot of, you got a lot of runway in front of you. So yeah, totally. And you know, it's like anything you got to run up, you sprint up, you know, 20 floors, you got to take a break. And that sort of, at this point, where I'm at is sort of being like, all right, I've sprinted 20 floors, you know, for a long time. And now I'm sort of, you know, not taking a break, but taking a step back so that I can make the best decisions to make this more of a lifelong pursuit rather than something that, you know, has a ceiling. My final question. Yes. What do you do when you wake up tomorrow? What's next? What's tomorrow? Literally or figuratively? Either one. I mean, I think tomorrow, so I always say half the story is what's right now in this chapter, but I don't ever become attached to a specific entity. Um, for me, I think that the key to happiness in life is constant reinvention of yourself in different chapters. So I have a lot of different personal pursuits. And I think as long as I continue creating, that can look so different. It could mean a podcast. It could mean writing a book. It could mean, you know, going to do stand-up comedy for fun. Uh, then I'll be happy. But I think that, you know, this next chapter is about creating so that I can continue to evolve my ideas and change as many people's lives as possible. One way is through mental health and digital wellness, but I think ultimately I want to be a teacher and I want to inspire people to reach their highest potential. Similarly to you. Pardon me? Just like you. Oh I, yeah. I'm a work in progress too. You know, I'm, I'm just trying to create a following. I, I it pains me when I, um, when I listen to victim stories, you know, and when people, specifically when people tell me how hard things are. Yep. I always say, yep, they are. Now what? I'll give you the, okay, I'll give you it's hard. Now what? Like, we got to go. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm 
always working on my messaging. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm battling too because um, unlike your story where I believe, you know, you were really trapped in a depressive state, I was led to believe that I was in a depressive state and I was really consumed with fear. Wow. And, and I got medicated for fear and, um, and I, thought I, I thought it was depression. And that's when I had to make my decision to change my life and create my hour of champions. And that's why I get up every morning at four o'clock and wow. work on my mental, physical, and spiritual conditioning and get to meet great people along the way. And um, I have a friend, Scott O'Leary, whose voice I have never heard. We communicate on Facebook almost daily. He's uh, certainly a person that I reach out to when my light gets dim. And he reminds me all the time that we're in each other's orbit. And I love that phrase. I just do. It's, I love that. You know, I literally just did a post yesterday about, and that's what I say to people because that's what it's about is like, it's an energy, right? It is. Yeah. And uh, I feel very blessed to be in your orbit. And I'm, I'm really lucky today to intersect with a young person that um, had the courage to, um, you know, to be, it takes courage to be, it, it takes courage to be courageous. My dog is barking right now. He's, Oh my gosh, I had to put mine in the other room because he. Um, it, 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 I'm going to pick him up here for one second. Oh. A rescue cutie pie. Oh, hi. This is Leo. Um, it takes courage to be courageous, and you're very courageous, and you will impact. I, I know, you know, you already are impacting many lives, and, and because you're such a, uh, a social media genius, you will connect with a lot more people faster and faster and faster and faster in any way that I can ever help. Um, please let me know. And well, I really appreciate that. And the sentiment is mutual. And, you know, I think it's also young people where I'm lucky because I'm in an age group where this is easy for us to talk about. I think your age group is a little bit different. So you have bigger you have bigger, uh, you know, you, you have to make a lot of change and convince a lot of people to confront themselves in a different way than I think I do. Um, so thanks for the work that you're doing. Yes, I do. And I always use the metaphor in sports. There's a, a concept that's called running out the clock. Yeah. Lead sometimes you play not to lose and just let the game end naturally. And I find so many of my contemporaries just running out the clock right now not playing hard to win anymore, telling themselves all these BS stories. I'm too old. I'm not smart enough. I don't know technology. I don't know how to meet people. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I got to pull them along and get them into the hour of champions. So, well, I think it's amazing. So thank you so much. I love the hour of champions. I love the morning too. Awesome. I haven't, I been, haven't been the best at keeping up with my mornings, but I'll get back on it after my vacation. Maybe you'll join one of our next challenges when we have them. Yes, I should. I should do that. You'll see it if, if you if you see us on on Facebook. You'll see those coming up shortly. Yes. Well, I will be following along. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Excited for this. Awesome.